This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train, and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello there and welcome to episode 11 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're going back into our archive to 2014 where we had a hangout with Andy Martin and Andy will be talking to us about how we can build a global focus into our church plants. You can find this full hangout including the Q&A and all the notes at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 11. Now, we pick up this conversation with Andy a minute or two in. So let's go to Andy and hear what he has to say. Planting among unreached people groups, uh, making Jesus known where he isn't. Um, So I get to travel a bit to the Muslim majority world, places like uh, Turkey, Pakistan, North Africa. Uh, As Thomas said, the topic the guys have asked me to talk about is how do you build a global focus into your church? Um, A couple of introductory comments before we get into it. Uh, I think a lot of people can kind of agree with world mission, can think it needs to be in the vision somewhere, but when you're church planting at the beginning, there can seem to be so many other priorities. Um, It's easy to think maybe this should come a bit later. Uh, Maybe when the church is bigger, Maybe when you've got more resources, maybe when you've got more relationships overseas, we can think it's easier then to have a global vision. Uh, so I want to talk about that to start with in terms of the priority of this uh, and on what basis can we make it a priority. Then I want to be really practical and say, well, actually, what are the things you can do in a church plant? Uh, when it's, we talk about a global focus, what does that really mean? When there's 20 people in someone's front room worshipping and you're trying to work out how you can run your next alpha or how you can reach people on the next estate, what does it really mean to try and have a global focus? Firstly, then, on with some theology. We're never going to get there on this unless we're theologically persuaded that a worldwide focus is important. Um, All the questions around resources, around vision, around priority in your church plant, all of those will follow from a theological conviction that every church, no matter how big it is, no matter what kind of people you've got in it, should have a global focus. There needs to be a theological conviction, just as we believe that the church should be evangelistic, just as we believe the church should care for the poor, just as we believe the church should be about the presence of God, the gifts of the Spirit, we should also believe that whenever people gather, there should be a focus on the nations. Just some things to undergird this conviction. Uh, If you look at the big picture of Scripture, 
And I'm sure that's taught on other broadcasts. If you've heard Dave Devinish speak in any context, you'll, you'll know what I'm referring to. The big story of the Bible is about the glory of God filling the earth. The story begins in the garden with uh, God walking with Adam and Eve when creation is good before sin comes. He tells them to go and fill the earth. Uh, the story finishes in Revelation with people from every tribe, every nation, and God living amongst them. So in that story, the big sweep of Scripture is a global story that encompasses every people and every nation. And one really important development at the start of that story is the call to Abraham. Um, and God calls a family to bless all the families of the earth. Uh, you don't need me to go through Bible references or to say much more on this. I'm just trying to give some highlights for why we need the, for the background for that theological persuasion. It's what runs through Scripture. The fact is that God called a family to be a blessing to all the families. So when we gather uh, whether it's a small group as a family community or whether it's a larger community on a Sunday, um, we need to know that God has called us to have a global perspective. We're part of that story. If you then get into the New Testament, it's one of the things Jesus taught to his disciples a lot. You get in Matthew where he says the good news of this kingdom must be preached among all peoples and then the end will come. Now, remember... That's Jesus with a handful of disciples. They're still working out who he is. They're still working out what the kingdom is. They're still trying to work out, is this a political kingdom? Is this a spiritual kingdom? Um, and in that context, with a handful of people, Jesus is saying to them, this message has got to go to the ends of the earth. And I think some of the most defining passages for us are the end of Luke, last chapter, and then the first chapter of Acts, where you see Jesus with this new community telling them that all these things have happened so that they can go and make him and the kingdom known to the ends of the earth. And when we're church planting, we can think, well, there's only 12 of us or there's only 20 of us. Does God really want us to have some kind of global focus? And for me, the defining passages are those ones at the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts where you've got a handful of disciples, a handful of followers. They're still trying to work out what's going on. And Jesus, if you like, puts it into the DNA of the church, saying you're going to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And some of them uh, hadn't even traveled that far. They'd just been around Galilee. So if Jesus can say to them, when they've not got the internet, they've not got a world atlas, they've not got TV, They've not got air travel, but Jesus says to them at the beginning, you're going to take this to the ends of the earth. Then I think even in our small groups and church plants, we can have a worldwide global focus. So that's just a few minutes by way of intro to hopefully make the case that we need to be theologically persuaded that the church is the community to go to the ends of the earth. In John 17, while Jesus is praying ahead of his crucifixion, he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending them. The church is to be a sent community. 
The very reason why you are church planting is because someone sent you. It's in your DNA already. That's why you where you are. Whether it's in South Bedford, California, whether it's in the Peak District, you've already been sent. And that sending isn't simply to the next town. That sending will be to the ends of the earth for some people. So let's just uh, make some application then. From the beginning, we need to realize from the start, we need to understand it's not about our size, our numbers, our money, or what resources. It's a faith issue. When you look in the book of Acts, the disciples are still trying to work out what their purpose is, and you see the Holy Spirit pushing the church out, partly through persecution, uh, but partly through uh, him working and sending people. So you get Philip down in Samaria. You begin to see Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Philip's down there preaches the gospel to a people group that are different from his own, and then the apostles go down to see what's happening. Immediately after that, God supernaturally takes him to an Ethiopian. Why is that passage there? We go from a whole town hearing the gospel and amazing miracles to one Ethiopian. Why? Because it's to the ends of the earth. Then you get Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius, a Gentile, the gospel making a huge jump. Peter is quite happy where he is. Suddenly the Holy Spirit breaks in. He's taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Then you get Antioch, the next chapter after that. This church that we don't know who planted it, and they send out Paul and Barnabas. So we see in Acts the Holy Spirit leading the church to the ends of the earth. It's a faith issue. It's about our vision. It's about what we're believing for. Resources, finances, how we send all follows from that theological conviction. So applying this some more, I think as leaders, we need to have a global outlook. So in terms of the things we read, in terms of global events, keeping up to date with news, with the way our cities and towns have such an ethnic mix, you could have someone in your church or in your church plant who is affected by a news story from northern Nigeria. You could have someone uh, who is affected um, by things happening in the Middle East. And if we're living with that kind of awareness, it will help us to connect with people in our church. I think we need to be more culturally aware of what are some of the cultural issues, some of the cultural issues for people from different faith backgrounds, some of the ways we think of theology in the West and not some of the issues that people from the East or from other countries will be thinking about. People from a Muslim background or a Hindu background will be grappling with different issues than what we're grappling with. So as a leader, being able to read around those things or find out about those things are important. Then getting down to some more uh, practical things, how can you build them practically? How can you build a church with a global focus? Well, firstly, teach. I think what you teach, what you study in your small groups, what your preaching's like when you gather is really important. Are you teaching the big picture? Are you teaching... Uh, the global overview of the Bible story. People need to catch that vision. Sometimes with vision, and I know you've had sessions on this on broadcast, sometimes vision needs to be 
practical. It needs to be earth. People need to know uh, how you're going to get to the, the next 50 people or how you're going to get to another estate or another town. But also there's room for vision, which you can cast and you can say, look, we don't know how we will do this, but it is our vision to have a global outlook. I don't think we need to worry that every part of our vision uh, has the next steps for the next five years. You can cast vision in a church plant for people to uh, have a global outlook or for a church plant that one day will send people. I remember uh, leading my first church, a small town uh, in Lincolnshire. Um, we were still, uh, we were replanting it really. We didn't have small groups that were working ever so well. Uh, we were still trying to get our Sundays going well, still trying to develop leaders. Um, God had already been talking to me about the nations. I didn't know uh, how relevant that was for the church. And then someone was visiting the church. They were doing some teaching and they prophesied uh, over me about building a church for the nations. And I remember thinking, don't worry about the nations. I just want some small groups that work. Uh, I just want some people who will come in on a Sunday that have never been before. And yet God was talking to me about the nations. But what that did was put it in my vision. And it meant it was something that I began to talk to the church about publicly. Not long after that, a couple joined us who had a call to go to Turkey. And because we'd had vision for this, because God had smoke spoken, we then spoke to Dave Devonish uh, about how we could do this, how we could get these people ready. Uh, and that was our first steps in building a church that not only had a vision for the nations, but sent people to the nations and raised money for the nations. So teach it, preach it, cast vision for it. Then again, just trying to be very practical, this is something you can pray for. One of the things any group of people can do, it could be two people, it can be 22 people, it can be 52 people, is you can pray. You can pray. Pray in your prayer meetings for other nations. Any connections you've got, make the most of them. If you know people working in another nation, um, then pray for them. Uh, connect with apostolic ministry. Most of you will have a connection to apostolic leaders who are working in other nations. Send them an email and say, where are you working? What can we pray for? I've had people do that to me occasionally. They've sent me an email. They said, we've got a prayer meeting this week. We're going to pray for the nations. Give us five things you want prayer for. Doing that early on in a church plant helps build a global vision. And it's dead easy. And with a good bit of leadership, a couple of stories, you can envision people about it. They don't have to know the places or the people that you're praying for. If you've taught this well, people will get why you're praying for people that they don't know. So you can find out from me, Dave Devonish, Colin, Barron, there are plenty of people where you can find out things you can pray for. It doesn't have to be the same things all the time. It can be a mixture of things. Make the most of other resources. Operation World. Uh, that's a book produced by mission agencies. With um, It's put down into different nations with different statistics and different needs. Um, and you can do far worse than simply opening that book one evening at a prayer meeting and saying, we're going to pray for a particular nation give an overview of it and get people praying. I think sometimes we feel that we've 
can only pray when we know people or can only pray when we know we can get answers to prayer. Uh, I think it's fine for us to pray for places we might never go to. If God is building his church around the world, then resources like Operation World can, can help us pray for that. There's something called the Joshua Project uh, website. Just put that into Google, Joshua Project Unreached Peoples. You'll find the website. And on that website are brilliant resources for how to pray for unreached people groups. There are over five and a half thousand unreached people groups in the world. That's where there's no reproducing church in their language or culture. We can pray for that. We can say to people, look, we're working in the Peak District or we're working uh, in Wales. There are some churches here. We need to see more. But tonight we're going to pray where there's no church. And we're going to ask for God to start a church there. So there are resources which you can help connect uh, into the world. If you've got people, just trying to keep this practical again, a few more practical things before we open up for discussion. If you've got people in your groups from other nations, get them to talk about their home. Get them to talk about some of the things that are different in their part of the world. Um, if you've got people in the church from... Uh, other cities, then get them to talk a little bit about some of their story. Um, if you've got people that have been on short-term teams to other places or visited other nations and know a bit about the culture, get them to share. The other thing we can do in our network of churches is we can invite people in um, from other nations. We've got connections in Russia, connections uh, into Asia, uh, Turkey, and it's very easy to invite people in to speak. Very easy to, you can even get people to Skype in, Skype into a meeting um, or to, to do what we're doing tonight with Google+. Uh, you get the connections with people through people like Colin, me and others. Uh, Tim Simmons would know of other people. And you can just get them to Skype in and get them to talk about some of the things that they're facing in their churches and you can pray for them. Next you could form more of a specific connection with a, a church in another nation. Again, through relationships you may have, uh, through asking apostolic ministry, um, form a relationship with another church. Ask them uh, the things that you should pray for. Of course, this could lead to you visiting them or them visiting you. But get connected with another church overseas. Send some people. Do a short-term team. The guys in Manchester last year sent over a group of people to a conference in Turkey uh, and the team from Manchester looked after the kids during the, the conference. And it, it blessed the church over there, enabled the families, some of the Turkish families, to have a fantastic conference. Terry Virgo was at the conference. And all that was made possible because the guys in Manchester said, we want to connect with something overseas, we want to serve, we'll send a team. There's resources involved. It costs money. But remember what we said at the beginning, it's a faith issue. It's not a money issue. When you've got faith, God will provide the money. And it's amazing how people can come up with fundraising ideas to raise money for a plane ticket. You send people to another context overseas and it changes their worldview, changes their outlook. They get to see church in another nation. They get to encounter a different language, a different culture. Um, and people come back changed. And then you get people back in your church plant 
and you get them talking about what they saw, what happened, what God said to them, and it will begin to birth something in the church. So go yourself or send a team. Uh, it, it may only be three or four people, but it will make a profound difference to them and a profound difference to you. Moving on to one final thing, if you preach this, if you cast vision, if you get connected with another church, eventually you'll find people with a call. You'll find people who will say, I think I'm called to go to another nation. And then uh, Tom's already mentioned the world mission broadcasting we're developing. We've got resources that can train people. We've got resources that can help you know how to train people and send them. God's heart has always been a family to reach all the families of the earth. And that family is the church. The church and world mission go together. Mission agencies, we're learning from them. We partner with them, but we believe the church is God's mission agency and the church can send. In terms of connect, getting people ready for church planting in another nation, some people now are able to get jobs overseas. They're able to use their qualifications um, you don't necessarily have to raise a lot of money for some of these people who are going. When uh, we sent our first people from the church that I was leading, um, we didn't have all their finance. Uh, we didn't have the money, all the money we needed for our staff. Um, but we took a step of faith and we were able to send these people. And soon after that, another couple came. God provided amazingly for them and they went overseas and I think just as we can have faith for uh, money for buildings or faith for money for staff or for evangelism outreach, we can have faith for resources for sending people. So you preach this stuff, you cast vision, you will find that God will raise people up uh, who you can help train and send, and we can partner on getting them ready as well. So there you go, some practical things. I think it's got to flow from a theological conviction, otherwise it just becomes another thing to tag on. And I think there's some very practical things that you can do to help give a global perspective. Well, hopefully you were stirred by what Andy had to say in this Hangout. Just to remind you that for all the notes on the Hangout, plus the Q&A with Andy you can visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 11. Now, Andy also heads up the World Mission stream of training on broadcast. So if that's something that interests you and you'd like to know more about being trained for cross-cultural ministry, you can find out more at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash world.